Welcome back, y'all, to episode 15. It is Saturday, and the date is the 20th of Augusto, 2022. Today we got a raw show for you, to say the least, kind of covering a random sort of top mix. Um, This podcast goes 365 days, so creating content has always been interesting. Today I took a book out of one Phil Gassert page to talk to you a little bit about biscuits and gravy, all things Arkansas, and a couple fun facts, interesting trivia for you, things you can need to know if you're going out, maybe you're starting a conversation with a couple people and you want them to show off your intelligente. So sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and if you're working out, push hard. So before I get into this groundbreaking podcast, I just want to give you guys a little fun trivia facts today. So I just, I was talking with our house manager, Alba, and she was asking me questions about fruits and vegetables in the United States of America. And she asked me kind of, what is the number one fruit in the United States of America? And I didn't know it. And it felt kind of weird to not know it because it's such an interesting question, but I'm sure people don't ask it a lot. And the the answer is grapes. So I looked up, and the United States is one of the largest um, growers of grapes in the world. And we export them all over the world. I have a source that works with USAID, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and he confirmed it. So as you guys, the fun fact for you is grapes is the number one fruit we grow in the United States. So just keep that in mind next time you eat a grape. The story of biscuits and gravy. Okay, today on this episode, I'm going to be talking about something actually near and dear to my heart and my cholesterol, and that is biscuits and gravy. So for me, um, the interesting part about biscuits and gravy is it's actually a family tradition of mine. So the recipe originated from what I know from my great-great-grandmother. Um, and what I know about this side of family is they were really like pioneers. So the type of people who helped to settle Oklahoma and Arkansas, you know, during, during kind of the beginning stages of the United States. Now, with that being said, you know, most of them were just really poor farmers and they were pioneers. Now, what's interesting about biscuits and gravy is this food. Now, when researching biscuits and gravy, what's super interesting is there's not a lot about it as it relates to gravy. There's some things around 1856 whenever it was starting to be used, but as it relates to sausage gravy, there's not a lot of information that indicates when it was used. It's clearly a southern food, and really, I mean, if I were just to go out here on a limb and just give you an overview of it, when you think about how biscuits and gravy is made, and I'll give you the recipe, essentially it's bacon grease, milk, flour, and salt and pepper. 
It's a very simple, simple thing to make that if that is really about consistency and heat. But the calorie, the calories it gives you is insane. I wouldn't suggest eating this only once every six months because, you know, it's a really big meal. But if you think if you are working on a farm or you're working in the cold and you eat something like this, there's a term in the South that says it's going to stick to your ribs, which I always heard growing up. But the reason why biscuits and gravy, I think, is so important too is is it is a southern tradition that is passed down and I can't think about biscuits and gravy without thinking about my father um you know my father had passed away it's going on almost about three months ago and one of the things he would always do for us on Saturday and that's why I'm bringing you this show on Saturday is cook us biscuits and gravy so as child we'd have memories as we'd wake up and you know, it would be early and, you know, there was just a whole mess of kids in our house. And my father would be on that stove just stirring and stirring that gravy, getting it to the consistency he wanted. Like, like it's almost like a form of meditation. I don't know if any of you guys have ever made biscuits and gravy, but I have and my brothers have. And... You know, the big part about making biscuits and gravy is you just have to stir it for so long. It feels like like an eternity, and you're just kind of looking into this, like, kind of substance, and you're hoping and praying that it turns out to be really delicious. And what's interesting is every time I cook it, I just don't know what it's going to do because how I originally got the recipe, and this is kind of a funny backstory. The China story, so brace yourself if you've been listening to my China stories, is I've, I would have been in China for about a year and a half, and I really wanted to eat biscuits and gravy. And I was Skyping with my father back when Skype was a thing. And I'm like, Dad, what is the recipe for this? And it came across a little Skype bar, and it just said flour, salt and pepper, bacon, and milk. And in China, you know, I was like, okay, I can get milk, I can get flour, I can get salt pepper, but the bacon grease. So bacon isn't like a common dish. You just can't go into the store and buy bacon like we can in the United States. However, we kind of found this place, the site meant before me, and we found this like international food import where you could get things that you just couldn't get in the normal beaten path. Um, like, like cut french fries, I think was one of them. Um, but another thing was bacon and you had to buy it by the pound. And how you would buy it is you would go in on it with some Peace Corps volunteers and you'd buy the bacon and then divvy it up. So in order to get there, I had to ride my bike to this little shop. And if you don't know where it is, you're not going to be able to get there. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, if you don't know, you don't know. And I didn't know. And I went in there and the first time we got bacon and this guy drove off on a little scooter. And he came back with like, it seemed like it was like three pounds of bacon. And we divvied it up. And I took the bacon home. I cooked up the bacon, got the grease, and that's the first time I made it was toast and gravy because I couldn't make biscuits in China. I mean, I'm not that good. But I definitely made 
the toast and gravy and I ate it and that was the first time. And I was like, wow, that was so easy. But what's interesting on the other hand is how this is a recipe that's been passed down in my family. And my great grandmother used to make my father biscuits and gravy. And now my father is giving me the recipe for biscuits and gravy via Skype. I mean, it's like, it just kind of was like a moment where I was like, this is such a strange, this is a strange moment of time. But, but, you know, that's kind of where you get into it. And my thoughts and theories about the concept of biscuits and gravy, okay, we're getting deep over here, is that it originally was a food found in the South. It had a lot to do probably with pig farmers because it is such a pork-based meal. Okay, you need the bacon. And generally, if you were going across the country or you had a farm, you know, you would start making the bacon and the biscuits. Now, I don't know the history of biscuits because, well, I just ain't got that kind of time. But I can give you some history on gravy. Well, not really. All I can really tell you is I, I think more than likely it was made you know, back in the pioneers days. And if my great great grandmother is making biscuits and gravy, you know, the time signature they give it is kind of the beginning of eighteen fifty six. And then it became more of a modern food. But you can make biscuits and gravy any way you want. I mean I really think if you want to get like kind of creative, you can also put onion and jalapeno in it and make kind of a southwest style. And it's quite delicious. But, you know, and then you get people, too, who when you make biscuits and gravy in the South, they'll eat it with tomatoes. And you put gravy on your tomatoes. And it's a pretty common Southern food. Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting how that works. But that's kind of, you know, that's my overview of biscuits and gravy. So today I actually was moving with my wife's cousin's family and she is married to a German man. What's up, Sebastian, if you are listening? And Sebastian is always filled with very interesting facts. And we were driving in a truck. We were driving to move and I actually saw a truck that said Budweiser. And I asked him, I'm like, what is Budweiser mean in German, assuming it was a German company, and he kind of gave me the overview. Well, originally, the Anheuser-Busch family um, had a had a beer, and you know the term Budweiser was originally coming from um, a a Czech a Czech town at the time where they were making really delicious beer. And this beer was known as Budweiser, and essentially what had happened was is the owner of Anheuser-Busch Sun kind of drank some of the beer and then took the name back to the United States. So Budweiser in itself is a very European concept. Now what gets interesting is eventually they were sued for this, and there's been a ton of blue... <laughs> litigation issues for the name which I wasn't really privy to but 
Some interesting facts about Budweiser, and this is what I kind of looked up, is how they survived during the Prohibition is they identified a loophole in the law to where it's like they couldn't necessarily, they couldn't make beer, but that didn't stop them from sending the ingredients to people's houses. So what they would do is send the hops and the barley, and they essentially made the first brewery kit for people to purchase, and this has kind of allowed them to maintain and stay alive during Prohibition, and this is really what allowed them to cut out the competition. So in true capitalist style, you have you know Budweiser staying alive because of how they're able to adapt to the market. Now, since then, I think how they've been able, you know, and some of their key concepts that make, or some of the key ingredients that make Budweiser a little bit different is actually rice. So instead of using barley, they say it allows a clean finish, but more than likely it's just a very, it's a lot cheaper product to use. And with, with, with the headquarters of Budweiser being in St. Louis, what they do is they actually get a lot of the rice from Arkansas. And the rice from Arkansas, which Arkansas is a very important contributor to rice, um, it allows them to kind of purchase it from there in shipping. And as I transition into just kind of a random fun fact show, the thing you, these are some tips you got to know about Arkansas. So I don't know why this is, but everyone says that if you were able to build a wall around Arkansas, it could be completely self-sustainable because they have oil. They have minerals, they have food, they have water, and they have everything you need. Now, this is another random story, and you guys just brace yourself for it, is when I was in Thailand back in the day, um, we were actually talking about rice, and I was trying to tell them, like, Arkansas is one of the number one leading growers of rice in the world. You can even buy the rice in Asia. And I was with a group of guys that didn't believe me, and they were, like, giving me a hard time. And we were actually having a conversation with another dude randomly, and he told me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I have seen this. You know, he's like, it really blew my mind because, you know, the first time I kind of seen bags of rice, which I don't know why he saw bags of rice, but he did. And he said it was made in Arkansas. So it just tells you every, everything you need to know about Arkansas. Alrighty, it's a short so short show today. Thank you for listening, and um, we'll see you tomorrow. Concludes our show for the day. Thank you for listening. My production team is myself and my dog Nelly. She was sitting here with me, giving me emotionally supported as I did the podcast.